Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 261, Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. And Shaq, it's going down tomorrow, Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. Kamaru Usman, the long-reigning welterweight champion, he granted Jorge Masvidal another shot at his title. I mean, look, Kamaru Usman said... I've accomplished everything there is to accomplish in this sport, and I only have a few fights left, and I completely understand why not take the big money fight with Jorge Masvidal. But Shaq, you know that giving a guy like Masvidal another chance, uh, he's a real fighter. So you uh, you excited for this main event uh, Saturday night, my friend? Yeah, I mean, it's still a good main event, even though we just saw this fight uh, a few months ago. Masvidal did take the fight on six days. Now just cut a lot of weight. So now we get to see no excuses, no... Uh, no complaints and, and, you know, everyone fully healthy, full camps. And I'm excited to see uh, if anything changes in this matchup. You know, um, Kamaru Usman, in my opinion, has been like one of the more underrated champions. I've always been a fan of Masvidal since the uh, backyard days. You know, back, uh, I, mean, I mean, those videos on YouTube been out for at least over 10 years. So uh, I'm, I've been a big fan of both guys. And, I mean, we met Jorge Masvidal in Atlanta at UFC 201 when he fought Ross Pearson. The guy couldn't have been a cooler guy. So I don't know what people are talking about, this guy being a sellout and shit. Like, I think that's absolutely insane. I mean, I remember being in college at my girlfriend's apartment watching him fight Paul Daly at, at, on some bootleg stream and shark fights. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember watching this dude beat the shit out of KJ Noons and Force and Kamaru Usman undefeated in the UFC, made it to the belt without taking a defeat ever. I mean, even GSP had to take defeats along the way to the belt. So, uh, man, Kamaru Usman, he's trying to be the greatest welterweight of all time. He's trying to be up there with GSP and Matt Hughes. And uh, another win, another title defense. Uh, he's going to be one step closer, Shaq. 100%. Uh, and, and his fights are getting more exciting. Though. The last, I know the first one with Masvidal wasn't the most exciting, but the Covington, the Burns one, uh, especially, man, those are great performances. I have a feeling that this fight with Masvidal is going to be better than the first one, man. I mean, like the first one, look, it's a built-in excuse with the six days. I get it, but it was six days, and you could tell he fatigued badly after the first round. I think that this time we're going to see an even more exciting fight, and I can't wait to break down uh, the main event when we get to it. So we're going to break down this whole card start to finish, but first up, we got to give a, uh, a shout-out to our sponsor, Manscaped, and half the battle is sponsored by Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and is now available in the usa canada the uk australia new zealand and the eu we have an exclusive offer for our audience use code battle 20 to get 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com join the movement and the other two million men across the world who trust manscaped did you know one guy every hour every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer you know it sucks to hear that so this is a reminder to all men listening to check yourself before you wreck yourself manscaped in addition to providing the right tools and solutions for safe and easy manscaping has partnered with the testicular cancer society to spread awareness for men's health and early cancer detection so shout out to manscaped for that together uh, tcs and manscaped are committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35, and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. While you're down there cleaning up your sack, why not go ahead and give them a little 
investigation for lumps, changes in any size or any pain. I think we can all agree it's pretty fun playing with your balls anyways. Manscaped recommends you check yourself once a month. If you do feel any lumps or swelling, give your doctor a call right away. In addition to checking yourself regular, regularly, you want to make sure your sack is looking fresh and clean with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll find products and liquid formulations that have been developed to turn your bathroom into a salon for your balls. All liquid formulations use only the best ingredients. Some of these liquid tools include the Crop Reserver, which is an anti-chafing deodorant for your balls, the Crop Reviver, which is a spray-on ball toner and refresher, the Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the anti-chafing performance boxers that keep your package feeling cool and fresh. Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your balls today. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. And uh, your balls will most certainly thank you, Shaq. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I agree. Use that code BATTLE20. All right, so we're going to break down this whole car start to finish. A little housekeeping note. Man, I've been sick as a dog last three days, but there was no way in hell I was going to miss out and uh, not show up here for the fans. So, you know, my voice ain't the same as it normally is. That's why. But it does not matter because this is for the fans and the fans only. Oh, not only fans, though, right? <laughs> no, but uh, first up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Ariane Carnalosi. Uh, Soriso is her nickname. She's 12 and 2. She's taking on Na Liang who's 15 and four. Currently, they got Ariane Carnalosi minus 220. The comeback on Na Liang is plus 180. So basically, the way I view this fight is that Na Liang, she's kind of like, um, you know how I called Suma Darji Chinese Connor? I think Na Liang is kind of like Chinese Jillian Robertson. I think that she's going to go hard for those subs and she's going to sell out for their subs. It's one-dimensional. There's no other aspects to her game, but she is going to submit certain people, but the people that stand up to her and don't get entangled in that web are going to break her for sure. And Ariane Carnalosi, one thing about her, firstly, she's absolutely jacked. If you look at her uh, her photos coming into this fight, like, holy shit, is she on a good program? And um, she kind of reminds me of Jessica Andrade a little bit, loves to swing big bombs, and oftentimes power will override technique in these women's divisions, except here it's not about power power and technique because Na Liang doesn't really have much stand-up, so it's really striker versus grappler in this spot. And I heard Ariane Carnalosi is actually a brown belt, so I don't really have much evidence of how Ariane does if she gets taken out or she gets her back taken, but knowing that she's a brown belt, knowing she's training with the right people, I think she can come out here with the right game plan. And if she can keep this fight standing, she is going to bully Na Liang and possibly get a finish along the way. So I'm going to go with Ariane Carnalosi to win this fight, Shaq. Na Liang, like you said, a pretty much a one-dimensional grappler, sells out for the arm bars. You know, she likes to compare herself to to Ronda Rousey. I, I like Carnalasi. I think she's a little, you know, bully, short, spark plug, uh, moves forward, doesn't really take any back steps. Tough debut against Angela Hill. That's a tough debut fight for anybody, Angela Hill, even though she doesn't have the best record. Very experienced, one of the more experienced girls in that division. So, Carnalasi held her own, in my opinion, even though she did get that uh, cut stoppage. I thought it was a fairly competitive fight up until then. So, uh, yeah, I, I see Carnalasi being the more advanced fighter here, the tougher fighter, the, the fighter that's going to be more consistent throughout the 15 minutes as where Na Liang, I'm expecting her to, to fade down the stretch, especially in rounds two and three. Uh, the first round, look, it could be Harry. She's going to come 
you know, I mean, uh, coming forward with that armbar, uh, that armbar attack. And Na Liang, at the at the same time, she's also a very uh, young girl as well. She fought Juliana v uh, Velasquez early in her career. Uh, I think at like 21 years old. I mean, that was a bad performance. I mean, she got embarrassed, but you know, she has been in there with some uh, some good competition. So let's see how she does on Saturday night. But I'm gonna go with Karna Lassi. I just think she's the tougher girl and uh, a better overall game. And and seen a higher level of the sport. She she beat a couple of UFC fighters on the on the local scene as well. So I'm going with uh, Arion. And next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between two UFC debutantes. We got contender series Alum Jeff Molina. He's eight and two. He's welcoming China's Kwai Lang Iori. Uh, apologies in advance if I botched that name. He's eighteen and six. Currently, they got. Jeff Molina minus one ten and Iori also minus one ten, so it's a dead pick 'em. This is a tough fight to call because on one hand you got the experience of of Iori. You know he's had more than twice the fights of Jeff Molina. He's actually been in there with some UFC guys. Granted, he lost decisively to Kai Kara France back in the day. You remember when Kai Kara France was on that on the Asian scene back in the day? So Iori was one of the guys that he fought. But man, I kind of feel like his record's a little bit padded, and I also thought his stand-up was extremely sloppy. Uh, Iori we're talking about, but he is decently well-rounded. I did see him mix in takedowns from time to time, but some of those fights I saw kind of seem like NFC fights. And with Jeff Molina, you know, he's kind of green himself. But I saw little glimpses here and there of potential of someone that can possibly hang in the flyweight division down the line. Um, he's got nice calf kicks. He switches stances. He's got the knees up the middle. I just do have... The biggest concern I have with Molina is he's not the most physical guy, and I do think that some people are going to come out here and just just straight up be stronger than him and hold him down and wear him out. And I also heard, you know, he does train with um, James Krause uh, at Glory, but I heard that when he did a little, you know, he did a little stint at ATT, and uh, word on the street is the dudes at ATT all want to fight Molina. They all feel like it's a super easy fight for them. Um, but I still enjoyed his performance on Contender Series. I felt like he had good volume. He's got that. Mexican heart. He's a warrior. I like Iori too, but uh, it, it's a tough fight to call because it's like, do I do I favor the better technique of Molina or do I kind of favor the more physical guy and the more experienced guy in Iori? Tough to call, but I'm gonna go with Jeff Molina to get it done. I think that this is Iori's first time fighting out of Asia. That long flight messes with you. He's got to get accustomed to this, and I, I think that Jeff Molina is gonna be ready to come out here and win a win a competitive decision. So I'll go with Molina. Jeff Molina, he's got a good game. Uh, like you said, he trains with James Krause. Mm, yeah, it's a tough fight because uh, Aori. One thing I liked about him, man, I see a lot of heart. I see a lot of uh, a lot of will. I mean, look, the technique and the and maybe the fight IQ might not necessarily be there right now, but in terms of aggression, heart, determination, I. You know, I think he's got uh, Jeff Molina covered in that area. Yeah, Jeff Molina's technical, and he's got a nice little flow to him. But at the same time, the best guy we've seen it up against is uh, is Jacob Silva. And, I mean, Jacob Silva, you know, is a can. So I, uh, it's tough to say. I think Molina, like Molina probably, if this gets extended, his technique – Will probably, the difference in technique will probably show. But I wouldn't be shocked if Aori, like you said, came out here and was just a – stronger, bigger, more physical guy that takes more chances. I like Molina, but there were some times in that contender series fight with Silva where, you know, I could see a better, like you said, I could see better guys 
pushing him back and and kind of disrupting his little rhythm. Um, he's got a nice rhythm, but I, I feel like it can be disrupted. Um, we'll see. But I'm going to go with Aori in this one. I think he's going to probably knock Jeff Molina down early in the first couple of rounds. It's definitely going to be a battle to see if his cardio holds up against a, a, with a style like Molina. But I, I see uh, Aori getting some knockdowns and creating some – some good opportunities, man, with this style. I was, uh, you know, definitely some lower-level fights, but the kid fights with a lot of heart. So I, I like this guy. I'm going to go with Aori. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Shu Rong. He's 17-3, and three, and he's taking on Rodrigo Cazula Vargas, who's 11-4. and four. Currently, they got Shu Rong minus 250. The comeback on Rodrigo Vargas is plus 210. So I think out of all the debutantes from China competing this weekend, I think Shu Rong is probably the best one. Um, now, granted, I mean, if you tell me like, oh, a dude's making his UFC debut that got finished by Wuliji and immediately I'd be like, oh, OK, yeah, this ain't going to go well. But, you know, not, not to make an excuse because he was 17 years old or anything like that. But, you know, he was like 17 years old, allegedly. And he's one of these guys. He's super young, still making improvements every fight. And I, I kind of I just want to see how he competes under the UFC lights because, you know, that record is a little bit padded and this and that. But I do see glimpses here and there. He's. He's an aggressive, long striker, gets exciting finishes, and they gave him a very low-level opponent in Rodrigo Vargas to see like exactly where Shu Rong stands in, in the lightweight rankings, man. And, and when I say rankings, I don't mean top 15. I mean, you know, the whole the whole roster, you know, in, in terms of there. Um, but Rodrigo Vargas, tough Mexican, um, comes to fight is a dirty fighter too, um, you know, that illegal knee against Brock Weaver, but that wasn't the first time he's done something like that. He actually has a history uh, of doing that kind of stuff. Um, but one thing I liked about that Brock Weaver performance, uh, even though it was, you know, he fucked it up at the end, was compared to his prior fight with Lego, like where he got completely dominated on the mat, at least now, now he's dominating people on the mat. So I, I can see some improvement from Rodrigo. He's also probably flat out in his prime. He's 35 years old. So this is the finished version of Rodrigo Vargas that we're going to get. I think that Shuron can just kind of be the longer guy, land the land the better shots. But this fight's going to let us know what level Shuron is on right away. Because he loses to Rodrigo Vargas, then we can really go ahead, say that record's completely padded, and maybe he needs some more experience. But I have a feeling that this kid can come out here and have some exciting fights in the UFC. I'm gonna pick him to win this fight. Um, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I agree with minus two fifty, but I'm gonna still pick Shu Rong to get this done. Yeah, personally, I don't think Rodrigo Kazula Vargas is UFC caliber, man. I think he's a tough guy, a tough Mexican fighter, but skill wise, I just don't see it. I don't see this guy winning a UFC fight. Zhu Rong, I'll tell you what. I think people need to be impressed with it because of his age. I mean, how old is he? Like 20 young. I know it's super young and he's got a lot of fights and I don't think his record's better just because um, 21 years old, he's already had this many fights. He's been pro since he was 15, 16 years old. And, and in China, uh, just from experiences with some of their fighters, um, their, their records online are like very wacky. Um, I don't think they have like a lot of the fights just from um, experience with like Ian Chownan and some of these other fighters. Um, I, th I just I just know that they're like it's hard to get all these people's fights on uh, on Tapology and Share Dog and stuff like that. But I think uh, yeah, I, th I see Zurong rolling in this one, man. I, I Kozula Vargas. I mean, he's tough, but I'm you know in hindsight going back and watching that Brock Weaver fight. Yeah, he was doing his thing, but there's no guarantee he was gonna win that. 
the fight. I mean, the fight was only about three three minutes long. I wouldn't be surprised if he gassed himself out after that first round and completely fell apart in the second round. And the, and the reason why there was improvements uh, from the first to second one, the first fight was on a few days' notice, uh, and then he had a full camp for the Brock Weaver fight. I think Kazula Vargas just strikes me as a as a self uh, as a self inflictor. He, he he strikes me as a guy that just his takedown defense is terrible. I mean, he's lost the young uh, kids on that combate scene by getting out wrestled, getting out hustled down the stretch. I see this being a tailor-made opponent for Zhu Rong. You've got to be impressed with what Zhu Rong's done. I mean, he fought a 17-4 and Brazilian guy not too long ago. Very, uh, very tough fight. You know, a, a fight that you need before you get into the UFC at 20 years old or maybe even like 19 at the time. Um, so I'm very impressed with Zhu Rong. I agree. I think he's the best Chinese prospect um, that's making his debut on this card. And I think he's going to knock Kazula Vargas out. Fairly early, man. I, I like the size. I, I like the experience, the age, more room to grow. Definitely uh, his first his first fight in the USA. That's a always a big test for especially for a debut. But Kazula Vargas, man, he he's not UFC caliber in my eyes. So I'm going with Zuma. Next up in the bantamweight division, we got Dan, uh, Dana Batgary. He's eight and two. He's taking on Kevin Natividad, who is nine and two. Currently, they got Dana back Gary minus one eighty five. The comeback on Kevin Natividad is plus one sixty. Shaq, I have a feeling these two are probably going to stand and bang until one man falls. Uh, what's your opinion on this matchup, and also on Bat Gary being a close to two to one favorite? Yeah, I think it's a good matchup. I think it's a lot of recency bias just because Batgirl is coming off a vicious knockout and. Nat Vidad just got viciously knocked out. <laughs> I think, man, honestly, look, this is a close fight in my opinion. I, I completely disagree with the line. I'm not saying um, Kevin Nat Vidad is going to come out here and whoop Dana Batgirl's ass or anything like that, but I think that Kevin Nat Vidad fought the way tougher guy in his, uh, in his debut fight, Miles Johns, as far as I'm concerned, is a good fighter. <laughs> and, you know, Dana Baccarol did his thing against Guido Canetti for sure, but Guido Canetti's like pushing 40, no more steroids. Uh, he's 41, 40, actually. Exactly. He's over 40, no more steroids. Um, I mean, Guido Canetti is, is a jobber. Um, and then he lost to uh, Haile Alating the fight before that. Good fight, fight of the night for sure. Definitely a good fight. But I'm not so sure that he's this much levels above Nat Vidad. Um, Nat Vidad seems like a straightforward boxer you know, power in his hands, but he also took his fight on short notice against Johns. I think we're going to see the better full version of him here. Uh, I just think it's a, a, a close, closer to a 50-50 fight, so I'm actually going to go with not with that. I, I just don't see necessarily, maybe Baccarat throws more combinations, maybe slightly a little faster, but I can see Navidal catching Dana Baccarat with something. I just don't know, know if we fully seen enough of Baccarat to be trusting him, especially at this price now, maybe maybe a little earlier, but I'm going to go with Nat Vidad by knockout late. Um, I, I think that I heard he's got a mental coach now. I heard he's, uh, you know what happens when these dudes start seeing, start seeing these shrinks. They, they start having the best performances of the career. So I'm going to go with uh, Kevin Nat Vidad to knock Baccarat out. I don't know how, but I just don't see the gap in between them like that. I don't think Baccarat is a bad pick at maybe like minus 130, 140, but um, 
I just think the line's too inflated at this point. I agree with you 100%. I mean, I like you look, Danab, Bad Gary, he's been exciting. He had that fight of the night, and then he knocked out Guido Canetti in the first round, which is great. Good job. But for him to be minus 200 here based off that, it's just, you know, I agree with you. I think the line should be closer. Kevin Nativa, dad's exciting. I, I was a fan of him prior to his UFC debut. He had a really tough matchup with Miles Johns. Now I think this matchup right here is, is a little bit more back to reality. And I think he's going to look better. Also, shout out to Janice Sports, uh, who represent him. Love those guys. So hmm, th- this is a this is a tough one. I think at the current line, it's a dog or pass situation. I understand if you, you know if you like deny because of the volume and you know you got in at a better price. I completely understand there, but at this current line, it's probably a dog or pass situation. I'm gonna lean with deny bat Gary to to get it done, but I would not recommend laying minus two hundred on him at all. So I agree with you on that. Now next up in the featherweight division. We got Tristan Connolly dropping two weight classes. Shaq, he's 14 and six. He's welcoming Pat Sabatini, who's 13 and three, to the UFC. Currently, they got Pat Sabatini minus 225. The comeback on Tristan Connolly is plus 185. I got to admit, man, similar to the last fight, I was kind of shocked by this line, too. I mean, look, um, initially, Tristan was the favorite, and I was like, maybe there's some value on Sabatini, but now with the line being where it is, the the value in my eyes is on Tristan Connolly. It's just uh, how how you think this guy's gonna look at 145 pounds, Shaq? Yeah. Um. Well, you said that uh, Tristan opened the favorite. Um. I yeah. think. Uh, yeah, man. Personally, look, I, I respect Tristan Connolly in that performance against Michelle Pereira. I, I mean, that was a great that was a great thing to see. I love when the journeymen finally get to have their day, especially when it's in their hometown like him. Get I think he got a hundred thousand if I'm not mistaken. Um so you know he's I, I hope he spent that a hundred thousand uh very wisely. Um personally I hate to discredit wins and I hate to 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 lower the stock of a of a great win like that, but I have to just because of I, I truly believe that Michelle Pereira beat himself that night. I, I watched that fight not too long ago, and there was nothing that Tristan really did. I mean, it was more Michelle, when you do when you're when your walkout is eight minutes long, and you have a a, a, a dance routine, and you do like fifteen cartwheels and, and backflips before the fight. I mean, Michelle Pereira's cardio tank was already halfway halfway done by the time the fight started. Um, and I truly think that the dude beat himself. I think Tristan Connolly, uh, Connolly, my bad, is just a straightforward, average old Joe. You know, just nothing special, man. I I know he's dropping two weight classes, so uh, we'll see. We'll see how he does here. Maybe he's gonna be stronger at forty fives. But I mean, the dude gets hit a lot. His footwork is not very good, in my opinion. Uh, Pat Sabatini, although I'm, I don't think he's necessarily all that either. I just think he's got the better overall MMA game, uh, just slightly more athletic, younger. Tristan Connolly, I respect what he did against Michelle Pereira, but that's one of the cases where I am going to have to slightly discredit that when, like, Michelle Pereira got carried away off the hot chocolate fight, his life changed. He got, like, you know, 80 to eighty to $100,000 that night, man. He was he was up for it. And then he came out and he, and he did all that stuff on the walkout, man. So, um Look, I don't see Pat Sabatini. One thing I like about his game, even though it's nothing special, um, 
I just don't see – he doesn't strike me as the type of guy to get outworked. Um, he, you know, maybe he'd be outstruck by a more physical, more powerful striker like his uh, – what was his uh, debut fight? Uh, not his – but the fight he was supposed to have. Um, Rafael Alves. Yeah, like somebody like that, you know, with power in, in, in a serious black belt. Maybe those type of guys will give him trouble. But I, I have a feeling that Tristan Connolly is going to look very, very subpar slash – average on saturday night and, and pat sabatini is just gonna kind of put on the mma uh clinic here so i'm gonna go with pat sabatini yeah look on one hand i definitely agree with you that michelle Pereira. that wasn't about tristan Connolly being some better fighter i mean michelle Pereira is out there doing 10 backflips i mean he he got that danny hot chocolate fight and his head exploded and then he's jumping guard for guillotines and it was really about Tristan Connolly, after he survived the guillotine attempts, oh, then he's on top and he just rode out the rounds and won the fight that way. It's not like he did something special there. Um, but on the other hand, he has won nine of his last 10 fights, Tristan Connolly, that is. So I definitely feel like he's in the best part of his career right now. Um, he's definitely put it all together. He had a lot of early losses. I mean, he started off his career three and four. And since that point, I mean, now he's doing his thing. So. Um, I definitely think he's turned things around, but man, I'm very um, concerned about this drop to 45. Not, not, not questioning the shape he's in. I know he's in fantastic shape. He, like you see him on Instagram, he looks shredded to the gills. That's not what I'm questioning. I know he's going to make weight and everything. I'm more concerned about the performance. After you know, he's never. I don't. I don't believe he's ever performed at 45s before. Um, someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think most of his career has been at 55s and at 70s, and. Yeah, I'm just I'm just very curious to see what happens off a two year layoff, dropping two weight classes, and with Pat Sabatini, um, I haven't been that impressed with him either. But it's also kind of a thing where I respect the fact that he kind of sticks to his strengths. He's got a decent grappling game. is pretty strong, and at least he knows what the pace is like at 145 pounds at least he knows what it's like to move around at that weight class so on one hand one guy's got the ufc experience the other guy's got the experience in the weight class so this is a tough fight to call it might even be a dogger pass situation i'm gonna lean with pat sabatini to get it done but at the current odds um i wouldn't lay it now next up in the middleweight division we got brendan all in allen he's 15 and 4 he's taking on carl baby k roberson who's nine and three currently they got Brendan Allen minus 160 the comeback on Carl Roberson is plus 140 so I mean this should be this should be a one takedown and the fight is over shortly after situation for Brendan Allen here however Brendan Allen's last two fights he uh, did not land a single takedown in either of those and i know he does one camp with henry hooft and all of a sudden he thinks he's a striker but look i gotta give him a lot of credit even though he got knocked out in that strickland fight i did see improvements in his striking compared to the past because in the past it used to be a situation where this guy had no striking at all and it was literally he has to take your back or he's losing the fight i, I feel like he even wobbled strickland in that fight so and he dropped docus the fight before so i do feel like brendan allen is making strides in his stand-up, no questions asked. But here against Roberson, why even give Roberson a chance to come out here and beat you? I understand this is your second camp with Henry Hooft. I understand your striking is getting better, but why don't we just go ahead, take this guy down one time, take his back, choke him out, and be on our way? I think that Brendan Allen's had to have learned from that last fight, man. I mean, that had to have been super embarrassing. And here with Roberson, you've seen Roberson get choked out three times in the UFC. You know that's your path to victory. 
I'm going to go with Brendan Allen to get it done. I hope that um, his IQ is on point Saturday night because I know if it is, it's going to be a first-round submission. So I'm going Brendan Allen for the win. Yeah, this is a, a good matchup because both guys both guys are hungry, man. Um, Roberson just had the fight with Vittori, didn't go his way. We know what his Achilles heel has been, the, the ground game, and Brendan Allen, his last fight with uh, Strickland, I think, man, he messed up there big time because he had a fight with Ian Heinish. And then I remember he took the the Strickland fight on maybe like, you know, Strickland came. I think Heinrich got COVID and Strickland came in super late. Catchweight fight when I think it was like 195. Um, and I and I think Brennan was still on it because you know him and Ian had had some had words or whatever. And I I mean it was funny because I was honestly very close to betting uh, Brennan against against Sean, but I passed man. And what I didn't like was kind of his attitude, man, like his attitude came off as like very, uh, very cocky, you know, and well, you know, he said, did he learn from the Strickland fight? I, from what I heard, he, he says the Strickland fight was a fluke. So, um, you know, Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll see Brennan, you know, I don't know. He's, he's, uh, look, I think Brennan's definitely got the edge in the grappling, but I have a feeling that it's going to be a little harder to get Roberson down uh, for this fight, I, I don't, I don't really see Brennan on the same level as a Glover Teixeira or a uh, Marvin Vittori or even a Cesar Matante Ferreira. I mean, all three of those guys, I, I just consider better black belts than uh, than Brennan Allen. Um, but look, Brennan's super young, super talented. He's got the great camp behind him now. I'm expect, I'm sure there's going to be improvements. Roberson's still training at uh, whatever gym he's training at, and Roberson Person, man, he just kind of strikes me as one of these guys where, like, man, there's potential, but I, I, he just strikes me as one of these what I like to call can't get right guys. And one of the, the can't get right guys, those are the Andres, the the uh, Jordan Espinosas, the the uh, the Robersons. You know, it's like there's some things, some good tools there. It's just they don't, I don't know, they just fold when um, when things don't go their way. Look, I think Roberson's last fight. Definitely wasn't a good look. Even though Marvin Vittori's number three, he missed the weight. And I think he kind of just got caught up in the whole, Mar you know, look, when you know when you're fighting Marvin, it's a it's a war zone. I mean, just look at Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland wasn't doing none of that laughing and uh, playing when he fought Marvin. There is no games when you're fighting Marvin. And, I, and I've honestly think Roberson's seen a way higher level of the sport than Brennan as well. Um, and the... the the, re the hesitancy with me, with Brendan at chalk here is just I've seen Brendan Allen so many times, even on the local scene in the past, just sometimes he'll hit these walls and just like completely fall apart, man. Even like when he fought Fluffy Hernandez, when he um, his uh, his last fight, I thought he, his last fight was kind of bad, man. I mean, he just kind of was sitting there plotting forward and, and getting pieced up the entire time. I actually thought he didn't have much of any success in that fight, man, to be honest. Um, but. You know, I, I'll still pick him for the win here. Roberson just makes constantly too many mistakes. Just kind of falls apart when uh, when he does get on that mat a little tired. But I think it's going to take a little bit more than just one attempt to get him down. I mean, you got to believe Roberson, they're coming to, to correct that uh, flaw in his game after all these times, man. So I'm going to go with uh, Brennan. But I'm going to say by, like, a battle, like a close decision. Uh, Roberson still has got enough potential to, to keep me away from fading him. But – um. 
We'll see. And I mean, Roberson's got some big calf kicks, some big power in his hands. If if Brandon can't get him down, these odds could switch into Roberson's favor, honestly, in my opinion. So uh, I'll go with Brandon, but I'm going to say by close, close decision. And next up in the welterweight division, we got Dwight Grant. He's 10 and three. He's taking on Stefan Sekulich, who's 12 and three. Currently, they got Dwight Grant minus 220. The comeback on Stefan Sekulich is plus 180. So the thing with Dwight Grant is he's got vicious knockout power. I mean, this guy can launch people across the room and just dead people with one shot, and that's the the best thing about him. Um, The issue with Dwight Grant is that the volume isn't quite there. He's also getting up there in age. He's almost 37 years old. So he can definitely be outworked, and at times he underperforms against people that he should look a lot more impressive against. Like even the Zach Otto fight, despite me thinking that Dwight Grant maybe got robbed in that fight, like I, I still expected more. I wanted a first-round knockout uh, uh, against uh, Zach Otto. The Alan Juban fight, I'm a big fan of Alan Juban, but like I wanted a first-round knockout there. I didn't want a split decision there. So sometimes he kind of underperforms in these fights, and then other times the D-Rod fight, I kind of felt like he knocked D-Rod out and then woke him up with the follow-up shots, and then he got knocked out. So, you know, there's been some sketchy moments. The thing with this Stefan Sekulic guy is, you know, he's got the karate style. He can grind a little bit. He's he's decently well-rounded, not the best athlete in the world, but I think it's kind of a situation where he's uh, Dusko Todorovic's main sparring partner, and I think Dusko is the the star in that gym, and I think Stefan is is kind of like the Gian Vellante to the Chris Weidman type ordeal. I think Stefan Sekulic is the guy that Dusko beats on every day in the gym. Listen, I, I do think Dwight Grant's going to come out here and probably catch him. Uh, Stefan Sekulic is actually coming off a jaw surgery, and Dwight Grant's like kind of one of the last guys I'd want to test that jaw coming off the surgery to see how it's doing. I'm going to go with Dwight. It's just that if Dwight doesn't throw for whatever reason, you know, because sometimes he's got very low output, he's getting up there in age. If he if he lays an egg this fight, he can get outworked by by anyone. I mean, I saw Zach Otto beat him, right? So Stefan, like if you're betting Stefan, you're just praying, hey, don't get caught. Let's outwork this guy and you win. But uh, I, I do think he probably gets caught somewhere along the way. So I'll go with Dwight Grant to get it done, Shaq. Well, I think uh, a couple of things, man. I think, uh, I mean, you can't always knock out Alan Jaban in the first round. I mean, only a couple of people can say they can say they've done that, man. So, you know, I don't think you should uh, should be necessarily expecting that. But I think uh, I think Stefan Sekulik, man, is just, you know, just a, he, he I, you know, he, he I just, a, you know, decent, nothing special, solid MMA game. Definitely fought some the good you know European level competition. Um, Dwight Grant, hey, his volume his volume didn't look good for as long as that fight lasted with uh, Rodriguez. I mean, he let off, he almost got him there. I think he just you know pulled that typical mistake where you know you you uh, burn yourself out trying to go for that finish and didn't have nothing left. And D Rod, you know D Rod, uh, they say he's undefeated in the streets and in jail. So you know D Rod. Uh, came after him right after that happened and got him. And let's not forget um, that Zach Otto fight. Another key thing we can't forget is the fight was in Milwaukee. And, you know, uh, you know, their Milwaukee wasn't going to let their hometown boy go, go home without a win that night. And, and they gave, uh, and they gave Otto that decision win. And then his fight is before the uh, D-Rod fight, man, he was off for a while. Like he had like, 
a, a big smorgasbord of injuries, Dwight Grant, uh, from the Juban fight. So that was his first fight back in a while. I think he'll be in a better groove of things. And Stefan Sekulik just strikes me as the type of guy that he knocks out. You know, lefty, nothing nothing necessarily that blows you out the table. Um, I think he'll be able to time his counters against this guy. You know, this kind of fight kind of reminds me of his Carlo Petersali fight. Like, Sekulik is going to think that he's going good and Grant's going to give him that false sense of security. And then out of nowhere, those long arms, I don't know what Dwight Grant's reaches, but his arms are, wow. are long as are long as hell. And he's, that's why he's able to time in his timing for these overhand rights, man, it is deadly. So I see Dwight Grant knocking Stefan Sekulik out in the first round, man. I think uh, this is a, just a, a nice opponent for him. Not a Juban, not a D-Rod, not a, uh, <laughs> Even a, a Carlo Petersali, um, you know, a, a lot of that Serbian, that Serbian MMA. I don't know if you've seen, but some of that, that stuff down in Serbia ain't the best. So uh, I'm going with Dwight Grant. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Randy Rude Boy Brown. He's 12 and four. He's taking on Alex Cowboy Oliveira, who's 22 and nine. Currently, they got um. Randy Brown minus one forty-five. The comeback on Alex Cowboy is plus one twenty-five. Very, very good fight here. Very exciting fight. This should be chaos while it lasts. Uh, Randy Brown, obviously, a bit of a long striker. I think that he's rounding out his game. He's got some good stuff off his back as well. Um, I think he's getting better in all areas. Uh, with Alex Cowboy, very physical guy. I mean, he's got that one punch knockout power. He gets you up against the clinch. Some of the most brutal knees that you've seen uh, in the welterweight division. I think that Randy Brown's last fight, I mean, I picked Luke by knockout there um, because Randy doesn't really check the the calf kicks, and Luke was just a bad matchup for him, and there was also some stuff going into that fight that, you know, Randy made a couple rookie mistakes, and I don't think he's going to make those mistakes here. I mean, I know exactly what they are, but I'm not supposed to talk about them, so I won't, but bottom line is I think he's going to show up the best version of himself uh, Saturday night, and Alex Cowboy, I've always been a big fan of his, um, and he's actually in tremendous shape for this fight, by the way. It's just kind of hit or miss with, with Cowboy. You know, sometimes he'll come out there, be too physical for these guys, absolutely bully some people, but other times he'll lay eggs like he did against Mike Perry, and then other times he'll break like he did against Yancey or, or that new kid, uh, Shavkat. So you don't really know which version of uh, Alex you're going to get, and, and I hate talking like that because I feel like that discredits the opponent. Like if Randy comes out here and does serious work, I don't want to be like, well, Alex just didn't show up. I, I think it'll be due to Randy being the better guy. I think Randy's going to be a little too long for Alex. I think the first round might be kind of close, but down the stretch, I think Randy pulls away, gets the second and third, maybe even gets a finish along the way. I'm going to go with Randy Brown to get this done, Shaq. Yeah, I think Randy was on a good streak, but Luke, you know, he is like top seven, six, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So honestly, no shame in in, uh, in taking that loss. Um, I think the blueprint is out there to beat Alex Oliveira. I, I, I think, you know, the submission game is always one thing, but you can also extend him, get him into the late rounds. I mean, he doesn't win too many third rounds. The Dalby fight, he lost the third round. The the uh, Max Griffin fight, he lost the third round. Um I mean, but at the same time, he's fought some very tough competition. I man, he does actually. I, I did see a picture of him. I mean, he does apparently he had some stuff going on in the uh, in the Shavkat fight with his son or something like that. Uh, I think it said his son went to the hospital like the week of the fight or something like that, and he was, and that's why he missed weight and you know all this stuff. So yeah, 
I wouldn't be shocked if Alex did win this fight. Look, I, I think as just like you were saying, it's kind of hard to to uh, to trust Alex. I mean, you can kind of say the same thing with Randy a little bit too. I mean, you know, he did have that nice one over Warley Alves, the Barberina fight. Those are, you know, it seemed like he was on a on a good streak. But we can't forget the time he got knocked out when he was on top. We can't forget uh, some of the, uh, you know, the even like some of his decision making in the past and some of his fights. Uh, he's kind of, you know, what was the fight he had? Uh, Mickey Gall. Yeah, I'm tripping. Um, you know, he, he, at times he'll pull a couple of a couple of blunders in there. So yeah, I, I slightly lean Randy as well. I just think he's younger, uh, and he's got the style to pop. You know, keep, you know, keep uh, Alex Alex at bay, especially in rounds two and three and. But I, I think I think honestly, I don't want to say it's a dog or pass situation, but Alex looks good, man. And, and if these uh, reasons, you know, why he said his last fight went the way it did are true, I mean, I, it's definitely understandable. Um, and he also has a, a, a – he can come out here with the calf kicks as well. I mean, Randy Brown's given up takedowns in the past. I definitely think it's getting better, though. Um, he's training with guys like Gregor Gillespie. Um, in New York and, and stuff like that. So I know he's working on his wrestling. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Randy Brown to, to you know, edge out the, the second and third rounds. But I think it, this possibly could be fight of the night. I mean, both guys seem like, you know, they're hungry, both coming in shape, especially Alex. I was like, damn, Alex, you, you've you been back on that, uh, on them, on them Brazilian vitamins or, you know, what's going on? It seemed like you've been seeing an anti-aging clinic or something. But we'll see. Uh, I'll go with Randy by decision. And shout out to Randy Brown. He's probably uh, the best uh, Call of Duty player in the UFC. He, he's a badass. But before we talk about the the main card, everybody do us a, a big favor. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. Now, next up in the 205-pound division, we got a matchup between the former title challenger, Anthony Lionheart Smith. He's 34 and 16. He's taking on Jimmy the Brute Crute, who's 12 and 1. Currently, they got... Jimmy the Brute Crew minus 190. The comeback on Anthony Lionheart Smith is plus 165. Now, a lot of people are saying this line is too wide. I personally disagree, and here's why. Listen, I got all the respect in the world for Anthony Lionheart Smith. I think he's a tremendous fighter, and the fact that he turned his career around, he got to the position, he got to a fight with John Jones. If you would have told me that guy that was barely hanging on to a single leg against Laco, uh, not Laco, uh, what was that guy's name that he fought? The Brazilian, uh, is it was it Laco or Laleco or some shit? Um, hold on, let me see what the guy's name was real quick. Um, the uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about though, Shaq. Um. Yeah, yeah, Laleco, Leonardo Guimaraes. Remember when he was hanging on for dear life to that single leg in that third round? If you would have told me that guy was going to make it to a fight with John Jones, I would have said, you're absolutely out of your goddamn mind. And, man, Lionheart, the name says it all. So I got so much respect for him. Uh, Jimmy the Brute Crude, I've been high on this kid since I first saw him on Contender Series, uh, knocked that guy out easily. And then I went back and watched some of his regional fights. He already had the five-round experience. Um, comes to the UFC. He's well-rounded. He can knock people out. He can submit people. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. His wrestling is on point, too. He's already taken his first L. He's already made his rookie mistake. He's already pulled his stunt. And 
he's learned from it. And, and the good news is he's just a kid. He's only 25 years old. So I feel like he's maturing. I feel like we're not going to see a rookie move this time because he already made that rookie move and he's already learned from it. And here for Anthony Smith to win this fight, it's going to have to be like the way Anthony Smith wins all these fights, which is a comeback win. When Anthony Smith finishes someone early, it tends to be no disrespect, but it tends to be washed up legends, which great. Hey, go out there, handle them accordingly. I love it. But against the younger guys, it tends to be kind of comeback wins. And um, basically, I don't I don't see Jimmy Crude, you know, making that bonehead mistake in the third round and getting subbed or doing anything like that. I think that he's going to be able to take down Anthony Smith, be on top of him, neutralize him completely. And on the feet, I think the calf kicks are going to be there. I think he can go upstairs. And I think that as long as Jimmy doesn't have some kind of mental lapse, doesn't make some kind of young mistake, I think that he's going to not just beat Anthony Smith, but I think that it's going to be, if it goes to the scorecards, I'm thinking 30-27, 30-26. If it's a finish, I think it's going to be on Jimmy Crude's side. So I'm going uh, with Jimmy the Brute Crew to get the biggest win of his career here Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a big test for Crew. Uh, Anthony Smith, he, former title challenger, beat Ozdemir, beat Gustafsson. I mean, you know, Larry, you know, speaks for itself. Uh, but yeah, man, I was actually impressed with Crew. I mean, he's very strong. He's He's got a he's got well rounded as it gets. He's got the he's got jujitsu. He's got power in his hands. He can kick. I mean, he's kind of a full package. Yeah, that Serkinov fight. I mean, look, in hindsight, you know, if he loses this fight, I guess we'll say uh, dudes that lose to Serkinov, hey, you, you probably shouldn't be betting. But I mean, because I look, Serkinov ain't won no other fights. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I got Jimmy in this fight. I, I like Anthony Smith. I, I think he was kind of overachieving a little bit throughout that stretch. Um, and it's kind of come back down to reality. It just seems like these newer, younger, fresher guys with less damage are out here. Uh, but even the guys with the more damage like Glover, you know, definitely did their thing against them. Um, Devin Clark's just a step down from these guys. And, you know, he was able, he still got taken down. Yeah, I, I, that's the path I see. I think that Jimmy Crew can can come out here and hold top position against Anthony and, and kind of win the minute similar to Alexander Ratchik. I, as long as Jimmy doesn't do anything stupid, <laughs> I, I think, I think he's going to win um, younger. Just, I don't want to stay necessarily in hungrier, but just he's got a lot of tools and Anthony striking is very average. It's, you know, very slow, nothing special. He's just a guy that, like you said, the comeback wins, um, kind of. I mean, if you want to call anybody the Homer Simpson of MMA, I, I think Anthony Anthony Smith is a good candidate. Um, but Anthony, the the only concern I have for Kruda is can he beat Anthony up for fifteen minutes? Look, Anthony Smith is a is a very tough boy, and he, he's not going to quit. Can Jimmy Crude go fifteen minutes without getting his legs swept? And, and uh, I don't even know what. Choke Misha Serkinov had him in there, but no, nah, man, I I think he's gonna win this fight. I just I, I just see him Anthony Smith just kind of being a lesser version of himself, uh, and and just his style. He gives up the takedowns. He likes to you know in that Rackley fight, he was go, even going for some sacrifice throws. You know what happens when it, when they're going for sacrifice throws? I mean, I mean, so the the way <laughs> that means uh, they're on their way out here very shortly. Um, but I respect Anthony Smith, one of the realists in the game. And I, and I think it needs to be mentioned just because, like, 
Anthony could have been light heavyweight champ. Like he he could have he could have been like, oh my god, I'm hurt, you know, <laughs> uh, like Al Jermaine Sterling. And unfortunately, like my boy King Kong, uh, I I don't know if you saw King Kong Romanov this past weekend, but uh, <laughs> there was some uh, uh, there was some big acting going on. But Anthony Smith, he didn't take that way out like Diego Sanchez and these other guys. Man, he he stayed in there and he and he kept fighting. He didn't take his uh his extra six-figure payday, he's a, he's a real fighter in my eyes. So, But, yeah, I'm going to go with Jimmy Crew just by holding top position, avoiding the subs, um, and just winning a decision. So I'm going to go with Jimmy Crew. And before we talk about the rematch between Weidman and Hall, do us a favor, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a rematch over 10 years in the making. We got Chris Weidman, he's 15-5, taking on Uriah Hall, who's 16-9. and nine. Currently, they got... Chris Weidman, minus 125. The comeback on Uriah Hall is plus 105. So you got to lay the chalk on Weidman to bet him here. Um, basically, I, I think that the way this fight is going to go down is going to be something like this. I think that Chris Weidman wins the first round just like he does in pretty much every fight, um, he, except the Reyes fight. Pretty much every fight except the Reyes fight, he always wins the first round. He's got amazing takedowns, that single leg. You already know about that Weidman single leg, one of the best single legs in the game. And I think that he's going to dominate Uriah Hall in the first round. The issue is that Weidman tends to fatigue as fights carry on. And one thing about Hall, you know, he might not have the best volume. Um, you know, sometimes he underperforms, but like he is one of these guys that you start to gas out on and he will just land that one shot to close the show. And I think that's exactly what he's going to do here, man. I think that just like uh, the fight against Jocko, you know, Uriah Hall got dominated that first round on the mat. I, I think he's going to get dominated the first round on the mat here. Look, maybe Wyden comes out here and finishes him again in the first round. There's definitely that possibility. But if that does not happen and this fight starts getting extended, Weidman's gas tank, I know he said in his interviews, hey, this time I've been working on it more. But it's like, dude, you've lost like five of your last seven fights or whatever all by knockout. So I, I, talk is cheap is all I got to say. I just really think that Uriah Hall is going to catch him in the second or third round after probably getting taken down in the first. And yeah, that's what I think. I don't think that Weidman can eat these shots, period. So Uriah Hall's got the better gas tank here. He's got the more power. And I think he's going to win this rematch Saturday night, Shaq. Yeah, man, I'm I'm looking forward to this fight because I've kind of been a Uriah Hall fan as of late. Um, kind of, I like his resurgence. I mean, there's been many times where everyone's thought Uriah Hall's been done. And he and he finds a way to just keep peeking his head in and and staying relevant. So props to him, Chris Weidman. I mean, he had a hell of a fight. His last performance against Omari, going toe to toe with the Russian like that at his age and at the state of, in which he was in his career, that was very impressive. Um, we know Omari Akhmedov is known for gassing in the late rounds, but we know Uriah Hall is known for turning up in the late rounds. So. Um, it's a it's a tough fight because I I do see a path for Weidman to win just by simply outworking him, out pushing him against the fence, uh, being the aggressor. Uriah Hall gives up the center a lot in his fights, and he kind of it's tough to say because it's like sometimes it's very frustrating. But you know, like you said, if his opponent gets tired, I'm telling you right now, Uriah Hall is one of the last guys you want moving forward on you. While you're tired, I mean, his timing is very hard to pick up. Um, and one thing I don't like is on these single legs for Chris, man, he kind of doesn't throw anything before it. He kind of just shoots the naked single. And you know who's known for timing those spins 
And you know who's known for timing those knees up the middle. Um, look, I at the I think it's a dog or pass situation. I think you had kind of Chris. It's it's hard to it's hard for me to believe that he's not going to take a clean shot throughout this 15 minutes. And, and Uriah Hall, when usually he hits these dudes in those late rounds, it's no there's no time for recovering. It's they're asleep. <laughs> His last fight, honestly, against Anderson. I think he's getting too much of a bad rap for that. Israel Adesanya couldn't finish Anderson Silva. Derek Brunson couldn't finish Anderson Silva. DC. Um, DC couldn't finish it. Like when these dudes fight Anderson, it's like uh, they don't want to hurt him. They don't want to. They don't want to hurt him right off the bat, man. Like let me get some. Let me get some rounds in first with the legend, with the with one of the goats of the sport. Like I'm trying to. I'm not trying to be in here for a couple minutes. Like. You know, I think these guys are, are a little starstruck. So I think he's getting a bad, bad rap for that. Um, you know, people, I, I just see a lot of people holding that against him, saying, like, he was losing rounds to a 43-year-old. Uh, but I'm like, I mean, does it really matter if he's losing rounds? Because you know what happens when he when he lets his hands go. I mean, someone's going to get knocked out. So, yeah, I think that if Chris avoids the KO punch, I, I see him winning the decision. But I just, hmm, Omar Yakmedov is nowhere near the level striker as Uriah Hawley, Amari swings big, sloppy overhands while Uriah is going to be keeping things technical. The timing's just a lot better. So, yeah, I agree, man. I, I am going to go with Uriah Hall to knock out Chris Weidman here. Um, like, yeah, I think it's going to be unfortunate because I, I think Weidman's going to be – it's like the Jacare fight. Man, Chris looks so good. He, he was doing his thing. Like, he can <laughs> still be the champ, but it's like – he got caught. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, man, I think he might be crying early stoppage on Saturday night, but we'll see. I'm, I'm going with your I.O. Now, next up for the flyweight title, we got the champion, Valentina Shevchenko. She's 20 and 3. She's taking on the former strawweight champion, Jessica Andrade, who's 21 and 8. Currently, they got Valentina minus 400 and minus 450 in most spots with the comeback on Jessica Andrade at plus 350. So this is interesting, man, because, look, on one hand, I'm very interested in this fight. This is such this is a much more formidable opponent than some of these people Valentina's been fighting lately, right? Like, when you told me Valentina was fighting Jennifer Maya and Caitlin Chukagan, no disrespect to Chukagan and Maya, but I was kind of like, I didn't even feel like I even had to watch those fights. Like, it was like, dude, it was like, dude, come on, like, you serious? Like these girls have like literally no chance whatsoever against Valentina. Now here's the interesting thing: Jessica Andrade, she's actually a formidable opponent. She's someone I respect a lot. I've seen her pick girls up over her head, and you know she could have thrown them out the cage if she wanted to. I've seen her knock people out with one punch, and I often talk about how. In the women's divisions, power can override technique, and I think that's really the case in a lot of situations, except here. I think that here technique is going to override power i think that here despite you know me saying what i said about the chukagan and the maya fights where it was kind of like a foregone conclusion that valentino was going to win and here i'm actually more intrigued because i respect jessica andrage a lot i respect anyone that steps in the cage but like you know jessica andrage is a former champ i've seen jessica andrage do badass shit for a very very long time so i'm definitely watching this fight i'm very intrigued but actually I think it plays out a little bit easier for Valentina than those fights with Chukagan and um, Maya where I didn't take them as seriously. And the reason being is the strength Jessica Andrade has of just eating every shot you throw, but then she comes at you with something even more powerful, and that's great. But against Valentina, 
I don't think that's going to work, man. I think against Valentina, you don't want to eat these shots, man. And I think also that um, Valentina can get this to the mat. I think that Valentina, again, eating clean shots and you know throwing back with something harder is perfect against most of these girls. It's just not going to work against uh, Valentina. And I honestly think that this fight is not going to go five rounds. I expect this to end under three. So I'm going to go with Valentina inside the distance here. I think that Jessica is too open to getting hit. And as much as I love her and I respect her style, and that's why this is going to be an exciting fight. Um, and yeah, Valentina shown some, you know, the, you know, maybe the takedown defense ain't the best at times. We saw Jennifer Maya win around, but you know, in some of these fights, you, you don't respect the opponent as much. I know, I know that just you get up for a Jessica Andrade fight and, um, I think she's finishing Jessica Andrade Saturday night. So I got, I got bullet Valentina here. And for the record, I thought, uh, Jessica beat Rose the second time. Um, yeah, I disagree with that. I just watched it. Um, Rose definitely won those first two rounds. Look, I, I think, um, Andrade just, yeah, just gets hit too much. Um, Unless she can hurt her to the body or get a slam KO, yeah, I agree. I, I just see Valentina being uh, too technical, too disciplined, too tough to reach at range. And Drudge, like the Zang in the Wiley Zang fight, kind of was just charging forward recklessly with the punches and her chin up in the air. Um, it'll work against like 90%, like not, more than 90% of girls, honestly. It's just the, uh, the, that top, that, that top tier, the, the Zangs, the, the Rose Nami Unices, the Valentinas. Um, you know, it's, it's probably not going to work. So I think, uh, yeah, I agree, man. I, I got Valentina here by, by domination. I just think she lights and drives up. It's, and drives, look, she's tough and you got to deal with that forward pressure, but, uh, yeah, I agree. I think she's just open to a lot of strikes that someone as disciplined like Valentina will, will capitalize on. So, yeah, I think uh, Valentina and I, I, after this fight, they need to do a, either do the Nunes uh, trilogy or let um, the winner of Zang and uh, Nama Yunus fight her, you know? Co-main event of the evening for the strawweight belt, we got Wiley Zhang, she's 21 and 1, and she's taking on the former champion Rose Namayunas, who's 9 and 4. Currently, they got Wiley Zhang minus 200. The comeback on Rose Namayunas is plus 170. Um, this is obviously the title fight a lot of people are looking forward to the most on this card. Should be very, very exciting. Uh, Wiley Zhang, man, she's really, really impressed me because every single fight, I feel like we see something new, man. I, I, um, you know, her UFC debut against Daniel Taylor, you kind of saw that she had a little bit of the jitters, but, you know, she still kind of grinded out that win. Next fight against Aguilar, I mean, just destructive first-round finish, handled it accordingly. Then all of a sudden, she's fighting Tisha Torres, and you see what happens when these girls that aren't ready for Tisha Torres step in there. And uh, Wiley Zhang passed that test. Okay, here's your title shot. All of a sudden, she gets a title shot against Andrade, knocks her out in under a minute. Well, here's uh, the greatest strawweight of all time. Joanna Janjacek beats her in a five-round fight that a lot of people consider to be the fight of the year. Now, I personally didn't think that it could have gone either way. I personally scored it for Wiley Zhang. I was not surprised that it was a split, but I personally was like, yeah, Wiley won that fight. I don't really think that you can score that fight for Joanna. That's just my opinion. But more importantly than who you scored it for, I thought that it was just more examples of the evolution in her game. Um, we've already seen some elements on the ground. We've seen some, you know, some pieces of her power. But to see her get into pocket exchanges with Joanna and Jacek over five rounds, like 
I feel like that just leveled up Wiley to that next level. And now she's taking a full year off and I expect even more improvements. Whereas with Rose Nami Yunus, you know, we see flashes of brilliance, especially in the early rounds, man. Her footwork is great. She's got fantastic speed. Uh, she's got some power to go along with it. She's got an opportunistic submission ability, no questions asked. She's a very talented athlete, uh, Rose Nami Yunus. My issue with Rose is down the stretch when things get tough she doesn't respond as well like that jessica andrash fight i mean look you're probably right that rose won those first two rounds but i did not like that response in that third round at all and in a five round fight it's just gonna consistently get worse and worse for rose nama Yunus. and i do think that wiley zhang is gonna pull away and possibly get this finish somewhere in that third fourth or fifth round um yeah i do see those first two rounds being you know, kind of competitive a little bit. Maybe not. Maybe not, man. Because, I mean, Rose Lama Yunus retired after she got slammed in her head. She said the pressure of being the champion was too much. And then she came back, and even though she won those first two rounds, she broke again in that third round. And this whole breaking in late rounds thing, this is nothing new. I was in attendance in Atlanta, Georgia, when I cashed that plus 215 on Carolina Kolvakevich to go out there and beat Rose Nama Yunus. She broke her in that third round, too. By the third round, Wiley Zhang is going to break her. Fourth and fifth, it's going to be insult to injury. I think there will be a finish, and I think Wiley Zhang is going to come out here and still be the champion Saturday night, Shaq. So, and still. Yeah. Uh, look, I think um, Wiley Zhang, for where she is now, I mean, just says the, I mean, only what, four or five fights in the UFC, it already says like what type of talent level she is. And, uh, what she's done has been remarkable, man. Um, this is going to be the toughest fight. Look, just and honestly, I, I got Wiley as well. I'll go ahead and say that. Um, I think honestly, Wiley is the better fighter here. The only concern I have is she she does get hit with a lot of right hands, and she I have seen her do a couple of little chicken dances in there. But at the same time, she uh, that's the only thing I could really say. I mean. As long as she uh, does not get caught here early, because look, I know uh, she just had this great fight with uh, with Joanna, uh, but look, that fight was coming down to the wire, and and you know she was she was like same pretty much the same price she is here now. Um, that fight definitely came down to the last minute seconds. Um, so and the, the reason why I bring that up is. Just like MMA math, uh, Rose kind of struggled with Andrade. But, you know, one thing I'll, I'll give credit for, Rose, I have never seen Joanna Janjacek outgunned technically, outgunned, you know, just, you know, um, movement-wise, maneuver-wise, uh, maneuver just as much as she was against Rose Namajuna. So I, I will say um, – that Rosa definitely is going to be it's going to be tough in the early goings, man. Um, but yeah, I mean it's no secret Rose gases out. That's been an issue since like the Carla Esparza days, since uh, the Carolina days. Um, she it's surprising because she lives in Colorado, but for, I think it's just because she she puts a lot of energy in her punches and and more so with the Andrade fights. I think she was putting out a lot of offense. Andrade is very hittable and and it's very easy to think for someone like her that she's going to knock her out. I don't really think see that with uh, Wiley. I think she'll play things more safe, more technical. So that's why I think it's probably going to be a little bit of a tougher fight for Zhang. Um, but I, I like Wiley's uh, just her heart, man. Her 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 like in that Joanna fight, even when she would get rocked with some of those punches, man, she would just answer back and keep coming like as if nothing happened. Like she would eat that damage. Hopefully, she can eat that damage here again. Because look, 
I think people get very emotional when it comes to Rose Zombie Yunus um, <laughs> for for reasons. Um, and, and it's something I've noticed. In like, like even back when she fought Joanna the first time, um, when she knocked her out, like people get very emotional. I mean, uh, obvious reasons, you know, the whole, the whole Pat Berry thing and the whole, uh, I mean, whatever, whatever comment she said about the, the communist thing and all that good stuff. But um, look, man, I wouldn't play into it too much. Like Rose, she likes, she likes feeling like this, man. She likes feeling like everyone's against her. And I don't, you know, but anyways, man, I think, uh, I just think Wiley's got more heart down the stretch. As long as she doesn't get knocked out in the first couple of rounds, I think she wins, uh, probably even gets that finish. I think she can just make Rose maybe even grapple more. Yoani and Jacek is kind of a one-dimensional, just point Muay Thai fighter. Um, and, and I feel like Zwiley Zane can can grapple her more, clinch her more to kind of get get her to exert that energy to to slow cook her down for those late rounds. But, you know, um, Wiley Zhang is a beast, man, a serious, serious, serious competitor. Like this girl, you have to kill this girl to beat her. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to go with Wiley Zhang to get it done here as long as she doesn't get knocked out in the first couple of rounds. So I'm going to go with uh, Wiley Zhang to get, retain her title. And uh, if the MMA gods are listening, you know, my wish list for the fight I really want to see if you can make it happen, MMA gods, please let us see Wiley Zhang versus Yan Xiaonan for the for the title in China. Like that would just be so epic, and I gotta see that fight. So, yeah. Now, before we talk about the main event, everybody, do us a big favor: hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. Main event of the evening for the welterweight belt: we got Kamaru, the Nigerian Nightmare Usman. He's eighteen and one. He's taking on Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, who is thirty-five and fourteen. Currently, they got Kamaru Usman minus 470, the comeback on Jorge Masvidal is plus 334. So you almost got to pay basically twice the price you had to pay last time. Last time was like minus 230 or so uh, for Kamaru Usman. And I thought he did a fantastic job. Listen, there's the built-in excuse of the week notice, but I think that's a legitimate excuse. Um, if you watch how the fight played out, Jorge came out hot and heavy that first round. He, he was uh, landing some good shots, but he kind of fatigued and Kamaru was able to grind it out. I definitely think that Jorge is going to look better with a full camp. It's just, is better enough to win this fight? That's the big question. Most likely not. However, the biggest criticism for Jorge Masvidal throughout his career, it's never been about his chin. It's never been about his durability. It's never been about his takedown defense. It's always been about the fact that he gets up to these big leads and then, you know, his famous quote, gets robbed more than a 7-Eleven. The guy loves to coast. And I can see him having a better start here than he did the first time. The first time, he won a couple of minutes of the first round then kind of fatigued. I can see him doing good here in the first and the second round. But eventually, uh, you know, we all resort to our old ways. And I know that he might start to feel a little bit comfortable. It might start to coast. You coast against a guy like Usman. He is going to outwork you completely. But Shaq, hear me out on this. How like, what would you think about if Jorge Masvidal came out here and actually knocked out Usman in the first round? And then they have a trilogy like... I mean, we've seen some crazy shit in MMA, so I mean, that really wouldn't surprise me if that happened. I mean, I got to go with Usman, obviously. I think that he's one of the best welterweights of all time. I actually think he's very underappreciated. His work rate's absolutely ridiculous, and the fact that he's already defending his belt and he's never even taken that first UFC L, like, that's something that all the welterweight champions didn't do. Like, even the great GSP lost to Sarah and Hughes. Even... Um, you know, Matt Hughes had a couple, you know, L's along the way. I'm not even going to bring up Woodley, but you remember that Rory McDonald fight and the Jake Shields fight. So it's uh, 
one of these things where Usman like is actually on the path to like being one of the greatest welterweights of all time. I'd actually put him second on on the Mount Rushmore right there with GSP. I think he's that great. Um, it's just one of these things where it's like on one hand, why give Masvidal a chance to beat you when you already outclassed him for five straight rounds? But on the second hand, it's like, well, uh, this guy brings in the money. You already said publicly, Usman said publicly in his interviews, like, hey, I only got a couple fights left. Like my, my body's falling apart. I've already beat everybody in the division. Let me get these last few fights. That's why he wants uh, Masvidal and Diaz. Then, then he wants to balance. I understand. Get that paycheck. Um, but Masvidal is showing up for this one. So that's what's going to make it a great fight. Look, I do think that Usman pulls away down the stretch, but I'm not just ready to, to ride off Masvidal, who I think is a serious competitor. Like when Masvidal loses fights, he rarely gets dominated or blown out the water. It's mostly like he'll get off to a big lead and then coast. Like for the most part, that's how most of his losses go down. I mean, I know Toby Amada a million years ago got him with that inverted triangle, but I'm saying most of these UFC L's are like close competitive fights. Rustam Habalov, I thought that could have gone either way. Lorenz Larkin, that was a very close competitive fight. A lot of these fights can go either way. So he's in there in most of these losses. I think he's going to give a good account of himself these first two rounds. Um, Maybe get him out of there, but if that doesn't happen, Usman definitely takes over third, fourth, fifth, and and gets it done again. So I'm going to go with Usman uh, and still. It's just that you got to pay twice the price you had to pay last time, and Masvidal showing up in better shape. That's, That's my, you know... That's my reasoning for not wanting to lay close to minus 500 on Usman here, but I still think he probably gets it done. Yeah, I think Usman's kind of playing with fire here a little bit, man. Um, It's kind of like, you know, a pointless for it. I mean, look, Masvidal's the star, so he's bringing in the pay-per-view numbers. I get it. Um, It's just that, man. Masvidal probably has one of the better shots of catching him with one punch, but at the same time, Usman is a rock, man. It's going to be hard to keep somebody like that off of you, clinching you, stomping them toes, uh, as George says, rubbing his feet, you know. (laughs) 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 But, uh, yeah, Usman's a worker, man, like even like a better version of Covington, man, just just worker, just not going to stop working, always doing something. Um, and George is just more of a, uh, you know, one punch KO artist these days. Uh, I know you saw that Darren Till knockout in, in London, England. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I honestly thought Darren Till might have been dead there for a second. Um, I mean, I, like I, I, I legitimately believe that. I, I, I thought <laughs> I thought Ben Askren was also dead there for a second. <laughs> but uh, Darren Till, for real, for real, I was like, oh, my God, somebody go get him. <laughs> like, yeah, somebody go check it. him real quick. <laughs> but uh man i think Usman's playing with fire on this one man it's not like uh a dustin taking uh you know a connor rematch i mean because like dustin beat him when there was i mean they were saying mcgregor it was uh you know the best he ever is and all this good stuff uh, but i mean masvidal we know for facts that like it was short notice uh six days dude re- really wasn't in uh tip-top shape but also i know a lot of people are saying that that's bs because that they were trying to plan that fight maybe uh, a few weeks before it actually happened. And there was reports saying that Masvidal was staying in camp already and uh, uh, that he had wrestlers in there. So some people think it's complete BS. Um, and, and we'll see. And I disagree with the whole George being a sellout thing. Look, I, do I think that he, do I think that he went Hollywood? Yes. I mean, look, he's a, he's a star now, but uh, selling out and going Hollywood is two different things. I think, uh 
I don't think that he 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 sold out like to his friends or anything like that. I just think the dude's a, he's a star now, man. He, real quick, he real quick, not, not 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 to interrupt you, um, but yesterday after the press conference, Masvidal literally let every single person that was in the arena take a picture with him. So I mean, what is that? That's a sellout. Like like like. I mean, stop. he's still a man of the people. You want to talk about a sellout? No, no, I, and look. I've seen I've seen Masvidal and guys like Woodley in the hotel settings, man. And, There's a difference. And I've, seen, and, and I've seen who I've seen who was kissing babies and 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 taking pictures and and who wasn't. Um, so I tell him, tell him, tell him. <laughs> you know, I think uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Woodley, you can't even approach him fight week. I mean, it's it's like a security team around. Him, you know, like. Don't, don't touch him. Move. Like they're telling people to clear out the way and then don't even look at him. <laughs> yeah, don't even look his way or or you'll get in trouble. But nah, man. I think uh I think Usman's playing with fire, man. I think look, he's gonna be my pick to get the win, but I think it's a dog or pass situation. Like I think if now if if you're ever gonna fade Usman, it, um this would kind of be the time just because the odds are so wide and and George has a full camp. Um but yeah, I'm gonna pick Usman, man, just to outwork him, like you said, kind of get him down the get him down the stretch. But I wouldn't be surprised if he had to come back from like a knockdown. I mean, he got knocked down for the first time as his last fight. Um, so we'll see. But I'm gonna go with uh, Kamar Usman to retain his belt. But minus four, what is it? Four? What is? What's the line? Minus four seventy. Yeah, I, I I just couldn't imagine doing that against Masvidal. Um, so yeah, I think it's a dog or pass situation. I mean, look, it's probably gonna lose that shot on on Masvidal. Just uh, you know, small shot. You know, now, I wouldn't go crazy on it, but I, I yeah, I'm gonna go with Kamara Usman. But betting perspective, dog or pass. I mean, the kind of guy Masvidal. Just on a side note, you know, for everyone calling him a sellout. I mean, he literally had his whole crew, his wife, his kids, his whole the whole entourage there, and he still had. Yeah, he still has zero issues shaking our hands and just being a really cool dude. I mean, we, we weren't about to bother him and ask him for pics or, or autographs or anything. We were just happy to see a guy we grew up watching, shook his hand. You know, I asked him if uh, the under two and a half in the Ross fight was a good bet. He said, don't he said, don't take that bet. So thank you, George, for the betting advice. He, he saved me a, a, a losing bet there. So I think that he's a I think he's a great guy. So I think y'all got to chill with the sellout talk. I mean, he just stood. He just let everybody stand in line, and take pictures of them yesterday. So. Y'all, y'all got to stop with that sellout talk. Now, I think this is I think it's uh, stemming from from the fact that look, Leon Edwards is a good fighter, but no one. If I if we go on the street right now and hold up a picture of Leon Edwards, is anybody gonna know him? I, I think it's stemming from uh, the fact that he didn't take the Edwards fight or the the Covington fight. Uh, you know, things like that. I'm more expert with the whole Leon thing because, you know, a lot of people are mad that he punched him. As, look, as far as I'm concerned, he he approached him like a man. Leon was talking shit. He, he got approached. Someone got smacked. And <laughs> that was it. So, you know, uh, look, I think Masvidal's getting a bad rep. I just think he went Hollywood. You know, is he the same guy that, you know, uh, that maybe from a few years ago. Look, the dude's a way bigger star when you knock when you knock guys out in five seconds and and not till out the way he did, and things change for you. You know, I mean, look, we're from the south, just like Maswell. The culture over here is just different, man. I mean, we don't really believe in being a keyboard warrior. Like, if you're talking shit in person, it's a completely different story. So I respect what Masvidal did. Like, talk shit. Get, he's in the middle of an interview. Leon says a couple words. Like, dude, like what? Like, 
relax you know this is his moment so it's just completely different it's easy to hide behind a keyboard and talk but in person then then we see what's really up so i i i feel him on that man i mean it's a southern thing so it, it is what it is man now shaq we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch so what is the fight to watch for ufc 261 shaq yo yo for some reason i can't hear you there we go. Um, my fight to watch um, is going to be Chris Weidman versus Uriah Hall because, look, Chris Weidman is still trying to become the UFC champion. I mean, he still thinks that he can get it done. He said it again, Daniel. He said that he is a bad matchup for Adesanya. Now, look, I completely disagree, but, you know, he, he thinks he's a bad matchup for Adesanya. And if you if you think you're a bad matchup with Adesanya, I mean, you better not be losing to guys like Uriah Hall. So, um I think that fight, and especially for Hall, I mean, this is another opportunity for him to get a win as an underdog um, and, and to climb the rankings again. Since he's been at Fortis, I believe he is undefeated. Um, so that's my fight to watch. Two, two, Chris Wyman's definitely a legend, but Uriah Hall's kind of a legend too. I mean, he's got some of the more uh, – I'll never forget that day he, he ruined my heart and knocked out Musasi. I was like, God, I <laughs> – I had a lot on Musashi that night. <laughs> I was like, uh, I couldn't believe it. I was like, damn it, damn it. He did <laughs> Like, uh, same thing, I'm sure, like, some of the dudes that bet Jocko that night it was like, damn, we had him. Or even the babe. Bev- <laughs> we had him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, that's my fight to watch. I want to see what happens. Remember the Bevon Lewis fight? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, Bevon. Bevan's out the UFC now, man. It's unfortunate. Because of that fight, that fight changed him forever. Because um, you remember the aggression he had in that fight, and then he, it was taken from him that night. Now, my fight to watch is the co-main event between Wiley Zhang and Rose Namajunas. I mean, stylistically, it's just such an incredible fight. Um, big, big test for Wiley Zhang, and you know, Rose Namajunas, super talented fighter. And then also, there's been the talk uh, outside the cage. You know, I wasn't going to get into it too much, but I have noticed a bit of a trend. Fighters making certain comments, you know, Kevin Holland talking about dildos. We saw what happened. Our good friend Jared made a couple of regretful comments uh, about Nurmagomedov. We saw what happened. I, I think uh, a similar fate might happen to Rose Namajuna Saturday night. But regardless, I'm so intrigued by this fight and I can't wait to see what happens. So that is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, uh, who is your fighter to watch for UFC 261? Yeah, yeah, hit that, hit that button. Yeah, my fighter, to, my fighter to watch is gonna be uh, Zhu Rong, man. I think, uh, you know, he's making his debut here. I know they're looking for the next. Who's the next Chinese star? Who's the next Yan Chaonan? Who's the next Wiley Zhang? Who's the next? Uh, who's the best Chinese guy fighter? Um, the next Li Jingliang. Um, you know, so we're, I think we're going to find out who that is. Is it, is it Aori? But I have a feeling it might be the Zurong guy. You know, he's got a, a good debut opponent here in Kazula Vargas, tough, tough Mexican fighter. Um, and I think it's a good opponent for him to showcase his skills again. So he's going to be my fighter to watch. I think uh, he might have a, a new Chinese star here on Saturday night. I agree. Uh, my fighter to watch is Jimmy the Brute Crew. Look, I've been high on this guy for a very long time. I've always thought he had the, the well-rounded skill set and the toughness, and he already took his first L. He already made his rookie mistake. I want to see him come out here and 
get his second chance against another top 15 guy. And I want to see him come out here and pass this test with flying colors, man. I think that Anthony Smith, despite how tough he is, I mean, I'm a huge fan, but I think the blueprint's been laid out on how to beat this guy for years. I mean, he's lost 16 times. Um, and uh, for Jimmy Crute, this is going to be a huge win um, in his career to have under his uh, under his back pocket, under uh, under. What's the what's the expression I'm looking for? I have it under the mantle. You know what I'm saying? Just a win over Anthony Smith in this day and age goes a long way in that division that gets you up towards the top. And I think if Jimmy Crute handles this accordingly, he will be one of the guys that we're talking about with the Rockets, with the Reyes, with the Jerry's. I talk about Jamal Hill like that, and I want to see Jimmy Crute uh, join that category. So I think a win here over Anthony Smith, and, and he's right there. So my fighter to watch is Jimmy the Brute Crute. So want to thank you guys much for checking out this special edition of the battle um i think they wanted some quick pfl picks um we can just do a really quick no analysis needed um just real quick Shaq, who you got pettis or clay collard pettis i got pettis as well um i mean as long as he doesn't box right now i got pettis uh lance palmer or bubba jenkins real quick bubba jenkins beat him in wrestling but you know there's punches and kicks and knees and elbows here palmer I got Palmer as well. Marcin Held or the former two-time champ, Natan Schulte? Schulte. I got Schulte too. And then uh, Tyler Diamond, the D1 wrestler, taking on a guy we're very familiar with, Sung Bin Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I, got Di- I, I got Diamond too, and I think that might be uh, – I think he might handle him there. And then last but not least, uh, Brendan Lochnane. <laughs> Brendan Lochnane taking on Shaman Marais. Ooh, man. I heard. I just recently heard about that fight. I didn't even know they were fighting until recently. Um, man, man, I used to like Marais, but damn, his chin just like fucking went through the roof. But I heard he's training at Fight Ready now, man. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So if he could, I don't know if he could work on that cardio and uh, that chin can correlate with it, man. Uh, who knows? Who knows? We'll see. But I'll go with Lafnane. Um, oh no, I don't, yeah, I'll go with Lafnane by decision. Listen, I, the the testing is a little bit different in PFL. You just told me fight ready. Uh, I'll, I'll go with Shaman Marais. Let's let's see what happens. So I hope you all enjoy the fights. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this very special UFC 261 edition of Half the Battle. Really appreciate it. Uh, give us a like and a subscribe. Thank you so much. Follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify all the places where we are available. We'll be back for the next card. Uh, shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. We truly appreciate it. Thank you so much to all our fans for uh, being here with us, for us. Thank you guys so, so much. And until the next time, let's cash these bets. <laughs>